0: So it's really, really important to find the kind of dreamy time for yourself. And sometimes for me, that was the middle of the night. I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would just lie in bed and I would just make up things or just let my mind free roam through ideas and stories and stuff like that, because that was the only time quiet enough to actually do that. I mean, I didn't wake myself up deliberately at night to do it because I'm not that mad. If you're a busy mom, but you
1: have writing goals and dreams that you're working on, this podcast is here to help you achieve them. My name is Jackie, and I'm a mother and an author of a self-published young adult novel and a firm believer in the power of moms to create. This podcast is about finding inspiration and insight. It's about learning new ways to fuel your writing and to share your writing with the world and sometimes actually all the time it's about taking a moment to just laugh at and appreciate the crazy everyday chaos that is being a writing mother if you feel overwhelmed with writing or guilty because you feel like you should be farther along in your writing goals and dreams, today's talk with author Joan Fudd is exactly what you need to hear. Joan is a lifelong writer, but it wasn't until her kids were grown and she was just about to retire that she really invested in her writing career. She enrolled in a program in Vancouver called The Writer's Studio and subsequently started publishing novels, including her most recent novel called Left Unsaid. This moment is definitely a breath of fresh heather-infused air, and so, without further ado, please welcome Joan Flood. Hi, John. How are you doing today? I'm pretty
0: good. How are you? Good. What
1: are you excited about right now?
0: Um, I'm excited about a couple of things. On an ordinary, everyday level, I'm glad that there are more things that I'm out doing at the moment with my double vaccination and all. Um. Teaching an online course in uh, fundamental fiction writing, Fiction One, that I love doing, and I'm I look forward to reading stuff and giving feedback and all of that. That's always good. And I'm I've started a new long work, which I swore I would never do again. <laughs> so I'm excited about that too.
1: And um, by long work, you mean a novel?
0: I think so. Yes. Not sure at this point how long it will be.
1: Right. Okay. No commitments. We won't, we won't tie you to anything. Don't worry. Good. But why were you, why did you swear? So you've done, you've published two novels now. Yeah. So why did you swear to never do one again?
0: Well, I was just thinking that it takes a long, long time to write a novel. And I wasn't sure. After the pandemic hit, I thought, hmm, do I want to be spending hours and hours and hours of my life writing? Uh, You know, there's so many other things I would like to be doing. And gradually over the last year, after not writing much for many months, I thought, well, I like writing. It makes me happy. So I'm going to write. And I thought, well, I can just take longer to write my novel and do other things as well. (laughs) There was no rush.
1: Can you tell me about the processes for writing um, New Girl and then Left Unsaid? Take me back to your, your journey and maybe your writing journey even before that.
0: Well, in the beginning, I started, I guess I figured out in school that I could write an essay fairly well. And I skipped a class. I skipped the class in which they taught grammar. And grammar at that point was 30% of the state exam marks. And I never liked grammar or cared enough to really learn it. So when I started doing state exams, and I thought, oh, yeah, there's that grammar. So I asked a friend of mine who did know grammar if she could teach me, and it just made no sense to me whatsoever. So she said, okay, just learn subject, predicate, object, just learn that. And I said, okay. So then I started writing, really try to write really good essays so that I made up marks. And I could. So I actually never learned grammar. I have to say. (laughs) I have an ear for language, but I never, you know, when people start talking about things, I think, yeah, whatever. (laughs) And, um, And then I got encouraged by a teacher in school. My English teacher encouraged me to write and to read. So I did that. And when I was 15, I had my first terrible poem published in the newspaper, the local newspaper. So that encouraged me. (laughs) And then I just kind of kept writing and I'd send things out and they would get rejected. And I just kept writing and I joined writing groups and I kept writing. Gradually, I got some things published, mostly after I came to Canada. I came to Canada when I was, I think, 25, somewhere around there and i was always in a writing group with other writers so that was always good to keep me going then i started writing a novel and it wasn't going terribly well but a friend of mine phoned me up very late one night and she said i want i need to come around to talk to you and i said okay i thought something terrible had happened in her life and she showed up at my door about half past ten at night i said okay i've just been at a reading from the writer's studio at a local cafe and they're having an open house next week and you have to go because you have to take this course. <laughs> I thought no I don't but <laughs> and she said yeah yeah you really really do so at least go to the open house and I said I'd go if you come with me. She was a writer herself and probably actually a far better writer than I am but so I said if you come with me if you come too and she said I will so she came with me. And they gave all their talk there. And one of the things that they said was that when you send in your portfolio, you can say which group you would prefer to be in. So it was fiction, non, uh, creative nonfiction and poetry and lyric prose at that point. I thought, well, I don't really know where I want to be. So I talked to Wade Compton, who was one of the members at the time one of the mentors at the time. And I said, uh, that worried me. And he said, oh, don't worry about it. If you're in my group, I don't care what you write as long as you write. And I thought, okay. So I geared my portfolio to his creative nonfiction and was accepted. And then had a horror of discovering that I am not a creative nonfiction writer. Just (laughs) Just not. Don't have that sensibility. Not what I want to do. And I struggled for about six months. And then I ran into him in a cafe one day. And I said, you know what, I don't want to write nonfiction. And I'm not sure what I'm doing. And he said, why don't you want to write nonfiction? And I said, because I don't want to write about people I know. And I don't really want to write about these things, you know, other things. I said, I like reading about them. I like talking about them. But I don't want to write about them. He said, well, what do you want to write? And I said, fiction. So I did. And I had two jobs at the time, two part-time jobs. that were both very demanding. And I had to go out of town. I was, I was a manager for a dance company, and I was going to this thing to get work for the dancers. And I had promised myself going to the writer's studio that I would always turn in something, even if it was bad. I was going to take full advantage of this opportunity that I wouldn't have again. And I was always going to turn in something. So I went through old writing, very old writing, in fact. And I found this little paragraph that I thought, oh, yeah, I can do something with that. So I expanded it. And that became New Girl. So that was my New Girl journey. And then how it got published is that a friend sent a notice to Facebook saying that there was a competition for LGBT young adult writing. And I thought, yeah, I've got a manuscript like that in my drawer. So I sent it. And everybody who did, they posted those on their website and people voted. And mine won the most votes. So they offered me a publishing contract for that story. And um, and I said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how that one got done. Left Unsaid was the novel that I wrote that I started writing very unsuccessfully years before, but the characters were in my head all the time. They And I kept thinking, it's not really working, but what am I going to do with them? They won't go away. And I was listening to the radio and it was the beginning of the United States wanting to overturn the abortion laws. And I was listening to some senator being interviewed and I got really angry and I started shouting at the radio and saying, "Worse things can happen than having an abortion, blah, blah, blah. You got to take care of the children. Blah. And then I thought about it and I thought, oh yeah what does happen to all these people who want to do the right thing and really try to do the right thing. And it turns out to be a disaster. And as soon as I thought that, I thought that's where those characters belong in that story. And so I wrote the book and when it was done, it was a mess, a total, absolute mess. <sighs> but the story, I thought the story was good. So then the Writer studio started doing these graduate workshops and you see Paying money for things motivates me to really step up. So I thought, okay, I'm going to take that graduate workshop because it was made for people with a long work they want to work on. And I'm going to rewrite this book during that time. And so I looked at it and I thought, who's the most interesting character here? And the most interesting character was the one who got me space. So I took her and I made her the main character and I rewrote the book in that six months. Wow. And then... I sent it out to nine, maybe 10 publishers. Eight of them all said no eventually, but they said no with very nice letters, which I took to be a bit of a win. And about a year later, I just got a very short email saying, happy International Women's Day. Is that book still available? We'd like to publish it. And then I did. So that's the story of those two books.
1: Oh, that's exciting. And what about, you kind of skated over some of your life, like you're a mother. Can you tell us about that journey for you too? Like, I know you have two children.
0: Yeah. Well, I always made time to be in a writing group with other people who were writing, right? That was like my night out for a long time. That was my one night out for quite a long time. But the other thing about it is that I wrote very short pieces then, I didn't write novels at that point. I wrote flash fiction and actually got some of it published. Right. So I didn't I didn't have to devote myself a lot of time to writing. And I don't think I know other people do it quite well, but I don't think I could have done that. I just don't have that kind of concentration. And I don't think I could have done it when my kids were small. But. You can write something, right? And it's all good. And the most important thing is to finish what you write, because otherwise I think you get very good at beginnings of things. You get very good at starting out and you don't learn how to manage to the end. And that could be very discouraging when you have the time to write longer, right? Because you're kind of starting at the scratch. At scratch again and the other thing that is good to remember is that 250 words a day which is one page over a year becomes a lot of writing and even if you don't write every day I don't write every day my schedule is six days a week and I don't say which day I will have off so I have two things I have a word count now and I have six days a week So that I have one day that I can flex if something really exciting happens and my little exciting brain wants to go and do it, I can just go do it. So always give yourself permission to do the fun things, because without those, you won't have any creativity anyway. But it is very hard when you're trying to look after kids because your focus is very practical every day, right? you know, and any creativity you have quite often goes into entertaining your kids or thinking up things for them to do and making their lives interesting and doing all of that. And it can really deplete you. So it's really, really important to find the kind of dreamy time for yourself. And sometimes for me, that was the middle of the night. I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would just lie in bed and I would just make up things or just let my mind free roam through ideas and stories and stuff like that, because that was the only time quiet enough to actually do that. I mean, I didn't wake myself up deliberately at night to do it because I'm not that mad, but I but if I woke up at night like if I got up for a feed or I got up for, you know, one of the kids needing something or for myself going to the bathroom and I was lying in bed, I took time there to do that kind of, you know, rummaging around in your head to see what you're thinking about stuff and that helped a whole lot. From here, from where I am now, In life, I think that the most important thing is to live and find the time for living. And part of that time for living is attending to your creative self. And you don't have to neglect anything to do it. You just have to build it in consciously. And even if it's only two hours a week, that's fine, right? At least you're nurturing it and keeping it going, keeping it going, keeping it going. And I also feel that when you're writing, it has to be enjoyable, it has to be something fun, it cannot become a task. If it becomes a task, it's no good to you anymore. It's just another task in your life that you don't want to do. So keep it for fun. And when
1: you you mentioned that those characters were bothering you, like how long were they in your head for? Like, were they come out of those nights back when you were, you know, taking care of your, when your kids were little?
0: Not those ones. Um, I would say that that probably New Girl did. I, well, New Girl was a mixture of that and, and getting fed up of all of the vampire stories and all of those kind of stories and I wanted something that was more daily to write about you know the kind of story I wish I'd read when I was young myself but the character in it came from way back then way 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 back then and that little that little scrap of writing I based it on came from way back then
1: you mentioned having two hours of time to write in like maybe that little paragraph came out of those two hour like
0: oh yeah and and so did some of the um flash fiction that I published came from the same place some of those came from my actual writing group, you know, from an exercise in the writing group. And the writing group met for an hour and a half. So it wasn't, you know, I mean, yes, we had wine and chocolate too. And yes, we spent time having a bit of a gossip. And then we would settle down and write. And we wrote in 10-minute intervals. And some of those pieces came from that.
1: Wow, 10 minutes. I mean, everyone has 10 minutes.
0: Yep. You see, we, we think that we have to, you know, knuckle down and devote ourselves and do all of that you actually don't you just have to let yourself do what you do naturally and enjoy it can you tell me more about that i believe that our internal selves are much smarter than our conscious selves and we know what we're doing most of the time right and you hear that little voice in your head saying oh, that would be a great thing to write about and you don't write about it right you clean the toilet you make the dinner right But if you just pay attention to it and while you're cleaning the toilet, making the dinner, distract yourself from those mundane tasks by, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, I could do that. What would that look like? Right. And then when you get 10 minutes, sit down and start writing. I can promise you that for the most part, you will write for more than 10 minutes when you start. You know that, right? (laughs) You know, if you have like, half an hour you don't need more than half an hour to get a paragraph done really right and it might be messy and it might be weird but at least you have something to work on and it's much easier to have something to work on than be making things up from scratch every time and I think you have to trust yourself that the story is in there somewhere you just have to later on step back and find it so that's what I mean about you know our inner selves kind of know what they're up to most of the time But we don't pay too much attention because we're distracted by practical stuff we have to get done
1: being a mom i find is especially distracting like i can't walk through my house without cleaning like urine on like at least like one toilet seat and like next to the toilet like i'm like oh my god i have cleaned this pool of urine three times this week i just was trying to go to the laundry (laughs) you have to walk around your house with blinkers on (laughs) yes it's so true it's so hard not to clean up all of those things but it is very distracting.
0: Yeah. And then
1: you forget that idea you had.
0: Yeah, you do. So what how do you manage your writing life? Right now I've I've been
1: getting up really early and another thing is just really learning to ask for help from my husband. Yeah. Which I don't know I, I have this tendency to always like he calls it minimizing. <laughs> I'll be like, I just need like half an hour. And he'll be like, do you really need half an hour? And I'm like, you're right. I need like three hours. I don't know why uh, it's so hard for me to like vocalize that, but it has been a long journey of of um, finding the voice to just say, I really need this time now. And then he'll be like, okay, that's fine. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the other, the other part about it is that if you get a group of writers, right? A group of writing moms together, you can have one mom, Babysit a different mom every time, right? So that you have the time that other people and you get the time to write. You don't get as much time to write, but but it's better than having none. Yeah, that's true. And that was one of the ways that I did it when my kids were young, with a writing group.
1: Oh, so you guys would come together and then share childcare? Yep.
0: Yeah. One of one of us would kind of do the child care while the others write. You could write if you could if you got the chance. You know, you come with things to distract the kids. But you know what young kids like, they run around like little maniacs. And you and especially if you're in somebody else's space, you don't want them wrecking the place. So you don't want, you can't always sit down and do what you're doing, right? But if one of you just says, Okay, I'll be the child minor this time, but you but you need to make it even you know not the same person every time. it's not a, it's not a way out of sitting down and doing your writing, yeah like <laughs> to say yeah,
1: that's pretty smart. I never thought about that
0: yeah, it's using the resources that you have right, as best you can
1: yeah i think I think we all have resources. it's just um hard to see them sometimes,
0: yeah, and you get you have to you know you get used to being the manager, right, because that's what you do all day. When you have kids, you manage everything. And then you start feeling like that's what you should be doing. And you should, but there has to be time to do other stuff too. Yeah, so true.
1: And so you also mentioned, you said that you didn't want to write a long novel, but then you also mentioned you're writing six days a week. So I'm curious, do you spend all of your time writing or not?
0: No, not at all. Um, I never spend more than four hours writing, and that includes editing what I did the day before. When I was writing Left Unsaid, I wrote the first draft in a month and it was awful. It wasn't, it wasn't awful doing it, but I think I got a bit unhinged, to be honest with you about it. I found it very hard when I would go out to do shopping or when I would go out in the world, like I was so in that world, which was a very different, slower kind of a world. And I'd go out and there was all this traffic and people and things had to happen. And I was completely overwhelmed and I thought, not doing that again. That was like, that was this close to being crazy. <laughs> wow.
1: Just because like the landscape was so different. It's not, lim- it's not Limerick, right? It's
0: outside of Limerick? Well, it's its not any one place really. its It's a made up place. It doesn't exist. I took a little bit from here, a little bit from there, a little bit from there. And I kind of put it into an imaginary village. I, it wasn't actually an imaginary village. It was the village that I grew up, that I spent my summers in, my mother's village. But I moved everything around, and it wasn't exactly that village. And I actually, within that village, moved the landscape around, but nobody knows that because I didn't say where things were specifically, right? So, But in my mind, there was a hill, and there used to be a school on top of the hill. And at one time, that particular area, I just flattened out and made the estate, And at another point, it became the field that she sat in when she was thinking about what to do next, right? So I just kind of made things up. (laughs) I made up a village that suited me that had movable parts, let's put it that way.
1: Right, but the essence of the village was uh, like a a place that you had like personal connection to intimate knowledge
0: of. The village life was one that I had fairly in um, intimate knowledge of the relationships and all of that. And actually the cafe that, that is in that, that cafe existed now, but it didn't exist at the time that I set the story.
1: And, you know, people talk about, you know, mums and, and writers generally, like when you write, it's almost like a retreat for you. Did you find that when you were writing
0: Left Unsaid? Um, it was very much a place I occupied and it was very much drawing from um My memories of walks with my mom and walking, going out with my brother across the fields doing stuff and that whole feeling of knowing a landscape so much that it becomes part of you. And one of the things that I wanted in that book was that Delia, the main character, that this was her place in the world and so any threat to it was um, very serious for her. Right. And so I drew on all of that stuff that I loved about the country. Like I I do really like being outside cities and I did lots and lots of walks as a teenager with my mom in the evening. And so I just kind of I (laughs) I took some of those walks that happened nowhere near this village and I just transported them into the village. (laughs) So it was like that. I very much lived in that village while I was writing it, which is what made it so hard when I, when I would find myself in my real life, when I was writing intensely, intensely like that. And it it was very hard to jump between the two worlds easily. Mm -hmm. I needed, I needed a wife at that point, you know, (sighs) or an understanding husband or an understanding partner of any kind or somebody who took up, you know, the shopping and the cooking and the cleaning, but it, I didn't have that. So I had to stumble around myself. <laughs> so I did go out with my skirt inside out once, which was very shocking to me when I discovered it. I was walking by a store window and I saw this white flash on my skirt and I thought, oh, what's that? And I looked down, it was the label on the outside. <laughs> and I thought, this is not a good, joke you can't do this.
1: <laughs> That's so funny. And so, but so now you're also a writing teacher. Can you tell me, like, what that journey has been like for
0: you? Well, I'm I'm somewhat puzzled how I got here, to be honest with you. Um, I did I did some writing consults at the libraries. People can bring seven pages of writing and get feedback on them for free, a forty-five minute consultation. You send pages in, in advance and they go through it and then they sit down and talk to you about what you've written. So I did that for a number of years. And it just seems to have somehow or other evolved from that in ways that I am not terribly sure. And then last year, I guess it was, the writer's student asked me if I would be interested in writing this Fiction One course for them and teaching it for a couple of times at least and I thought well as well me as somebody else (laughs) even though I had no idea what I was doing (laughs) and did you feel like the critiques helped you move into that role like very much so one of the things about critiques is that it doesn't matter what level the writer is at You yourself doing those critiques learn a huge amount, again, because you have to sit and analyze, right? And so that's the real value of doing critiques. And it's much, much easier to critique other people's work than your own. You see the faults in it in a way that isn't so personal, right? And so you learn, you say, oh, yeah, right. I do that too. Or, oh, oh, look what she's done there. You know, I never thought of that. Wow. And that happens for writers at any level, like even very, very, very beginning writers um, very often have one little jewel in their writing that you learn from. So it's a very valuable thing.
1: Ah, so a good reason to maybe volunteer to review people's writing. I guess like beta readers kind of do that.
0: Yep. At least once in a while, read and critique other people's work.
1: Okay. And are you still in a writing group now?
0: I'm in what we call our writer support group now, where we don't really, sometimes if we're sending something out for publication or if we're not sure of what we've done, we'll ask for feedback. But mostly it's kind of like, what are you working on? What are your obstacles? What do you want to talk about? What are you going to do next? And we actually make a commitment to do something every month. And when we go back, say, well, have you made progress on that? Right. And that's more what I do now.
1: So it's more about accountability rather than feedback on specific
0: pieces. Yeah, it's about accountability, but it's also about being able to talk through the problems you have either in your piece or that you're having as a writer. You know, like I have, I've come to this part in my story and I don't know what to do next. And they'll talk it out. Right. Or uh, I know I, I know I need to move on to this next scene, but I just can't. And somebody asks you, Well, why can't you? What's the obstacle? Are you not happy with what you're doing? Do you think it's not gonna work? Are you scared? What is it?
1: And what is it usually? Because I would think, oh, Joan's got, you know, she's done two got two novels published. She's she's got this <laughs> novel thing down, like she wouldn't have a like emotional barrier to writing a, a, a scene. She's blasted through those already but does that still come up
0: of course of course it still comes up every every story you write or every book you write is new right so you can't real. well maybe some people have a technique that they use that gets them through and gets them writing and gets them doing i don't i i do an awful lot of thinking before i sit down to write so i quite often when i sit down to write i write quite quickly right because i've done a lot of thinking about, I think, who are these people? Why did they meet? Why are they together? What are they doing? What are their backgrounds? Doesn't matter which is the main character, which isn't the main character. And at some point you just have to sit down and write. And quite often when I sit down to write, the ideas in my head change because they don't work when I'm actually, I was gonna say working with people, (laughs) which is what it seems like to me. And, um, and I always know that I have a good character when they won't do something that I want them to do. And I think, oh, yeah, right. I've made a character that is, has a personality enough that I know that that kind of person would never do this thing. And then I have to think of something else to get around that. So, no, it's not, it's not just sitting down and blasting through it for me at all, mm. at all.
1: And so that's interesting. So you, you, you said like, when your kids were little, you were doing that mind work. It's kind of like the pre-writing. That still is part of your process.
0: Very much so, yes. Very, very much so. It's one of the things that I used to find cafes really interesting for, is I would just sit there and that, let the cafe life flow around me while I ran through my head different scenarios. And I've struggled with that since the pandemic because it seems that having things going on around me was part of my process and things weren't going on. Around me. <laughs> and so I didn't write for many, many months because I didn't know how. Right.
1: Oh, interesting. Cause you were used to having like activity and like people and like energy flowing around you. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It's, wow. it's, it's very stimulating having energy going on around you. I went up to, I went for a walk up to you, Vic, I've been avoiding it since the students went back, just for safety reasons. And as I was sitting there, when I got there, it was very quiet. There were some students around walking around, but not many. But then, obviously, classes changed. And all of a sudden, these streams of people came from every direction, passing and crossing. It was kind of like a ballet, you know. And I could feel my mind slipping into that gear of, oh right now and I thought oh yeah that's what I want to do next right that's where I'm going to take that
1: oh wow that's so fascinating
0: yeah so I like to have I like I do definitely find that energy around me quite Mm -hmm. and some people don't like some people need to be really quiet to to work but that's not me and I and part of that might be because of having to do it when the kids were young and doing it when things are going on, right? And that was, you know, that's kind of my groove. Right?
1: <laughs> yeah, we oh got that's such an interesting parallel, right? Like your energy, your creativity back then you know, had to like find its way through all of that chaos. The chaos is your friend now.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's how it works for me, right?
1: Yeah. It's
0: um it's part of just kind of using what you have around you the best you can right yeah to get where you're going if you need a very quiet time to do that you have to find that time and if and maybe you can adapt to not doing it in such a very quiet time Mm -hmm. but it's it's practice right and it becomes it becomes a ritual almost you know okay, so now the kids have their crayons and then and they're going to make a terrible mess. But while they're making that terrible mess, right, I'm going to start this paragraph.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that really resonates with me. Like that idea of practice, of like just showing up. Yes. R- versus if you have really long, I think, periods of time where you're not writing between those sessions. It's like starts and stops. But if you have like a little bit all the time, it's always playing.
0: Yes, I call it, touching the story mm. you, know, you touch the story often so that it stays alive for you how much you do at any one time is less important than, than touching the story I think especially if you have a busy life
1: that's so beautiful is there any advice that you would have then to like Joan who just arrived in Canada when she was in her 20s what would you give advice to her
0: with two small kids in tow I would say write more is what I would say from where I am now, spend a little bit more time, Make carve out a little bit more time for yourself. Um, you know, when when something big and new happens in your life, like you get a new child or you emigrate or, you know, you move house or whatever, all your normal rituals and stuff fall away. They they have to, they just are swept away. There are none. And that's appropriate. For a while, but at some point you have, to, you have to get back that time for you to do the things that make you happy and that you love to do. Because first of all, it's a great example to your kids, but it's also the happier you are in yourself, the happier you are with your kids. It's not that you're unhappy with your kids if you don't do it, but you are happier and that communicates and that's important and it keeps you on an even keel. So, even if it's a very small amount of time, it's like touch the story. Yeah, I'll touch the story. That would be as wise as I get.
1: It was <laughs> <That's> pretty wise. <laughs> Everything sounds wiser when you have an Irish accent. Let's see.
0: <laughs> oh, don't be fooled. <laughs> 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 don't be fooled by that. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, and thank you for asking me to do this. I hope it is helpful to the mums out there trying to carve a little life for them, their own personal space, which is quite important to do. Like I
1: said before, Joan has such an easy way of talking about writing and her writing career that for me, it really took away some of that stress, I feel. I hope that you had that feeling too. Okay, so here are some of the takeaways. Number one, being a mom can deplete your creativity. Find the time, whatever that looks like for you, to think and occupy your story so that you can get some of that creativity back. Number two, paying for something like the writer's studio that Joan mentioned means that you'll actually commit. Don't hesitate to invest in yourself. Number three, make space to touch the story, no matter how small a time to keep that story alive. Number four, don't just write in starts. Practice completing stories. Number five, give critiques to other writers. Every piece that you read has a jewel that you can learn from. Number six, stuck on a plot point? Try going to a busy park or cafe or consult with a writing group. And number seven, if you need writing to be happy, then give yourself that permission. If you are enjoying these podcasts, please sign up for our podcast Facebook group. You can look it up under These Moms, right? This is a place where you can talk to show guests and other listeners and me. Also, Joan mentioned some tips on finding time to write. I have a whole guide on that. The link to that is also in the show notes. And lastly, if you have any feedback for me, please let me know via the form linked in the show notes as well. As always, I would love it if you subscribe or follow to this podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your shows. I'll talk to you next time. In the meantime, happy writing.